It's time to talk Baltimore Ravens on today's Peacock and Williamson. Matt Williamson's bitter rivals as he covers <laughs> the Steelers. And we've got Kevin Ostreicher, the host of Locked On Ravens, who covers the hated Baltimore Ravens on this podcast, although a lot of love gets, gets uh, I think, put out there for the Baltimore Ravens, even by my co-host Matt Williamson. We'll talk about Baltimore, if they're primed for a bounce back, and what's going on with Lamar Jackson, who made a, made a little appearance at minicamp. We'll get into all of it and the North right now you're listening to the peacock and williamson nfl show your daily podcast on the national football league powered by the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson here with you as always at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL and a very special guest, Kevin Ostriker, the host of Locked On Ravens, to break down everything that's going on with Baltimore heading into this 2022 season, all the pressing issues and uh, how this team might look and if they can reclaim the AFC North in 2022. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. I do want to thank everybody for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kevin, how are things going? I think a big sigh of relief when uh, the way it was, the way the news was broken to me as I saw, I think it was on social media, Marlon Humphrey had a little selfie video and, and uh, it was with him and Lamar Jackson said, look who showed up, look who's up <laughs> today. So uh, got to be a big sigh of relief for a guy who, you, you know, is obviously needs to get paid and he's going to get paid a lot, but showing up to the mandatory minicamp is a big step for anybody who uh, had a player that is a star player that is so important for their team. That was maybe on the verge of a, of a holdout situation. Yeah, it it is a sigh of relief just to see him there. It's a great thing. I personally had confidence he was going to show up in the first place just because to me, it feels like the whole thing with him not showing up to voluntary OTAs was more if he just wanted to work with his guys for a bit longer. I know that whole thing with, you know, multiple trains of thought in terms of should guys show up, should they not, even though it is voluntary with a little wink in there. But I do think that Jackson showing up to mandatory minicamp, a big step. And now, you know, the work begins. The Ravens had a pretty down year in 2021. So they're hope they're hoping to get back to what they're known for in 2022, which is successful football. So, Kevin, I think this is one of the strangest, most difficult contracts to work out from a team perspective with Lamar. I mean, and, and here's my logic behind it is first of all, he represents himself, which to me is a big hurdle. It's hard to sit down with the player and his mom and tell you all the things you don't like about him, which is how contracts work. You know, we're worried about this. We're worried about that. That's why agents exist. Also that aside, his style of play can you give him an eight-year deal, a lifetime-type contract? Because someday he's going to twist an ankle, someday he's going to slow down, and he's not going to be the most electric player on the field one of these days. I still think he's a massively underrated passer, and I'm investing in him no matter what. But how do you think this works? How would you handle that? Yeah, it, it is a difficult situation, and I think for multiple reasons. Now, mm-hmm. the the whole situation behind Jackson's contract right now, I know many people have th- kind of had their trains a lot of why hasn't he signed yet? Is it because the money isn't there? Is it, is it because of this or that? I personally think that it's because Lamar Jackson, when you look at his 2021 season, this is a what have you done for me now lately league, yeah. and in 2021 – 
people remember him for, you know, the kind of bad back half of the year, getting injured, missing the rest of that season. So his value compared to what it potentially could be, if you're looking at maybe a bounce back year, you know, potentially like a somewhat MVP campaign, maybe even, you know, playoff run, Super Bowl, Joe Flacco turned down an extension during a contract year. He, He won the Super Bowl after... He ended up turning down that contract extension, and then he bet on himself. He did that. So maybe Jackson's kind of looking at the same thing. But for me, Jackson, you know, if this is a situation where the team and him can't come to an agreement, it feels like he could play on some franchise tags, maybe maybe two of them, if it does come down to that. But at the same time, yeah, I, I agree. I think Lamar Jackson is a very underrated passer. You know, the athleticism probably won't be there for his entire career, but I think one of the good things about Jackson is the athleticism and the running ability is an add-on to his game. It's not his entire game, which I think it's somewhat like is a misconception where people only look at the running ability and they say, well, where's the passing? Why are you paying this guy so much money? Jackson has proven that when he has the protection, which he didn't have last year, mm-hmm. he can throw the football in the pocket. He can throw it out of the pocket. So I think when you're looking at such a dynamic playmaker like Lamar Jackson, you're trying to figure out a money range, years, guarantees, plus the fact that there is no agent. It's different. You know, it's different than most of these players who have an agent. You're able to sit down with those guys. So I think at the end of the day, the Ravens and Jackson will get something done. I don't anticipate it getting done this offseason. I'd maybe look to more next offseason. A middle, middle of the year deal would be pretty unlikely in my opinion. But I still think at the end of the day, at some point, those two sides will agree on something. Looking at the rest of the offense there around Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, and it it would seem that last year's first-round wide receiver, Rashad Bateman, who had a little bit of an injury uh, issue coming into the season as a rookie, but, man, showed a lot of talent and obviously was a first-round pick for a reason. Is he, like, the breakout candidate right now? Uh, not only for the Baltimore Ravens, but maybe in the NFL. And I've got some stock in him, and uh, I drafted him in our Locked On Dynasty League, and I'm feeling pretty good about that right now. How big of a breakout do you expect from Rashad Bateman in year two? Yeah, no, you should be feeling good. I'm, I'm feeling good about Rashad Bateman, too. He is definitely one of my top breakouts throughout this entire league. Definitely the top breakout guy on the Ravens, for sure. There, there are a few other options you could kind of point to, but I think for Bateman, the loss of Marquise Brown is something that, you know, the wide receiver position going into the offseason for the Ravens for like the first time in a while was considered not a weakness. They had Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman, what was going to come into his own even more. Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, some of those guys. Well, you lose Marquise Brown, that deep threat ability, and he does a lot more for an offense as well. So Bateman now elevates up to that number one wide receiver spot. Now the top target on the team is still Mark Andrews, and I don't think that's going to change. Mark Andrews is a dynamic tight end, one of the best in this league. But where, where are all the targets from Brown going? They're going to be split across a couple of guys. Bateman showed he did miss the first five games of the 2021 season. Came back, I think his first 10 or 11 catches were for first downs. He showed route running ability. Only one touchdown, but I think that'll increase over the course of his career. Even like next year, I think he'll score many more than just one touchdown. But yeah, in the wide receiver room, there's a lot of inexperience. Bateman is entering his second season. You also have Tyler Wallace in his second year and then two third-year guys as well. And those are your top four receivers. So Bateman has the opportunity with his talent, his natural route running ability, his catch ability to break out in a big way. And if he can establish a connection with Lamar Jackson here at minicamp and at training camp, and even if they play in the preseason, we don't really know what the Ravens are going to do with their starters after what happened with J.K. Dobbins. If they can establish that connection early on, I think it could be a huge, massive year for Bateman. I'm with you guys. I am a big Bateman believer. I think he'll be a very good NFL wideout. And we know Andrews is the alpha dog in the passing game. 
I'm really worried about the rest of the wide receivers, though. I, I mean, uh, you need more than just Bateman and a, a good receiving tight end. I have a hard time buying into Devin DuVernay and Prochet and Tyron Wallace and, you know, many of the draft Knicks and pundits and myself included raved about the Ravens draft. But this is some hindsight. Instead of Charlie Kohler or Falele in the fourth or even a Jabo in the second, shouldn't you have drafted a wide receiver? Yeah, there's all there was there was a bunch of controversy because you know this the second the Ravens trade Marquise Brown, you're thinking, well, all right, who's the replacement going to be? Is right, be a, rich a draft rounder, or, right, right, exactly. And it seemed there there was a the Ravens did a I think it was a documentary type film thing where they had Eric DaCosta, I think, and also Peter King was in the room in the fourth mm-hmm. round, and he put out an article. And he said that the Ravens wanted to draft Calvin Austin, which who the Steelers took one pick before the Ravens did. And they had the opportunity there. It didn't feel like the Ravens liked a ton of those guys. And when you're looking at free agency now, it's Odell, Julio, Julio, Julio Jones, Will Will Fuller, all guys who you're you're kind of accounting for four missed games or six missed games because of the injury situation. And with Odell, you don't even know if he's going to be back in the regular season with his right. ACL injury. So there's a lot of uncertainty there. You could look for a trade partner, but you know, those options are Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf. We don't seem likely at this point to get moved. So I think they just McLaurin, have to work what maybe? they have now. Yeah. Potentially Terry McLaurin. I'd, yeah. I'd love that fit, but I think when you're looking at Baltimore's wide receivers, they have inve- they have gone all in and maybe this is the sign that bully ball is coming back and maybe they keep, Instead of six wide receivers, it's five wide receivers and four running backs instead of six wide receivers and three running backs. But for now, they're trusting all, yeah, yeah, all those all those guys with Devin Duvernay and James Prochet and Tyler Wallace. They are now guys who are going to step into much bigger roles than they have had at the NFL level. I mean, Tyler Wallace only had two catches last year. He's their number four receiver now. So they trust that ability in the Ravens. They've drafted these guys. They drafted two receivers in each of those last three years, and they're going to trust those guys to come and put on a show because at this point they don't have any other options. You mentioned bully ball there. Let's talk a little bit more about the big men up front, the running game, uh, who to own in those fantasy leagues uh, for your Baltimore Ravens running back and the defensive side of the ball and and how the Ravens fit into the AFC North coming up. But we got to let the folks out there know about Blue Nile. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece. All the prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler, where, whether you're ready to pop the question, celebrating a milestone moment, you're buying something for mom, sister, dad, just a, a friend. Um, or, of course, if you're trying to take your relationship to the next level, you can find all the modern convenience of shopping online at BlueNile.com. And part of that convenience from shopping online is really important if you're trying to figure out exactly what to buy, because that's not an easy purchase to make a lot of times for a lot of guys out there, me included. And if you're looking for fine jewelry, having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, uh, 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 available via phone. You can chat online or uh, however you need to do it to figure out how you can find that right, perfect, memorable gift at every budget. So make your moment more sparkly and uh, find that jewelry from BlueNile.com. And of course, with our help here on the Locked On Podcast Network, listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement as well. So use promo code Locked On Again, for that $50 off, Use promo code locked on. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenile.com today. 
Thanks again, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft, which starts June 16th. It is draft season for the NBA. We had so much fun doing it on the NFL side. And if you love the NFL Mock Draft, you're going to like the NBA Ultimate Mock Draft just as much. Over 50 insiders, nothing uh, equals the NBA Ultimate Mock Draft, the Locked On NBA Big Board Draft experts, plus Odyssey insiders. The first pick is June 16th, so search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft on all of your favorite platforms and follow now so you do not miss a pick. Talk to me about J.K. Dobbins, Kevin, and he is a player that I was so high on, and I love the fit. I love his style of play. I love his every-down ability, and I love that he's on a team that wants to run the football and can play some of that bully ball. So where is he looking in his rehab, and what kind of a player do you expect J.K. Dobbins to be? And uh, if 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 Rashad Bateman's you know, maybe that, that player who's going to break out as a receiving weapon in the offense, what kind of breakout could we see from J.K. Dobbins uh, if, you're, if you own him in your fantasy leagues? Yeah, Dobbins was the player, the breakout player that Bateman is this year. Last year, it was all the Dobbins hype was second-year guy coming off of leading the all, all running backs in the league in yards per carry. The only player he trailed was his teammate, Lamar Jackson. So he was a player that everyone was so excited about. And then obviously the ACL injury on the first series of that Washington game in the preseason, just devastating for him. So, I mean, ACL injuries, the timelines have kind of sped up based off of just modern medicine and everything, but every situation is different. So with Dobbins, he's done some stationary work on drug machines and from, you know, people have said he's looked good, but you know, you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt. He's been working out in the pool, getting himself right, but I wouldn't anticipate seeing him back in the preseason at all. You know, he, he might come back then, but to me, I feel like he's a player that, even if he's not ready week one, my, my thing, especially and if you're talking, even like Gus Edwards, Marcus Peters, I'd rather have these guys at 100% in week seven instead of 75% week one. You know, you don't want to rush them back. J.K. Dobbins has so much football left ahead of him. Same with Gus Edwards. And, and even Marcus Peters has a couple more good years in him, I feel like. So you don't want to rush those injuries. But with Dobbins, the Ravens, again, we talked, we talked about the wide receivers. They have confidence in those guys. I feel like they could break out in a way, too. But, again, it's the inexperience you're banking on. So they might not throw the ball as much. They might want to get back to running the football, which we saw the dominance in 2019 and 2020. They ranked ended up ranking last in pass attempts in both 2019 and 2020. In 2021, that was bumped up to ninth in large part due to the injuries. And the lack of, I think, running ability on that team with guys like Devonta Freeman and Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell, who, I mean, four years ago, they would have been a Pro Bowl roster, but you <laughs> right, know, we're, right. we're, we're, not, we're not in four years ago. So now with Dobbins, hopefully back healthy in the fold, he just adds a dynamic. He's a hard runner, bounces off of players. Someone who I think they're going to use a little bit in the receiving game as well. I think they're going to add that aspect to each of their running backs games. So I'm excited to see what he can bring. So... Let me preface this. This isn't a Steeler Raven. I can't stand the Ravens type of conversation because I'm probably going to pick the Ravens to win the division. And the only future bet that I've made this year is the Ravens to win the Super Bowl, which I placed months ago. So I apologize for just bringing up all the concerns about this team. Ronnie Stanley, though, I mean, I think he might be the most pivotal player on this entire team. If he's back to being the guy they gave the contract to, they're in good shape. If he's a shell of himself, I would be really concerned. Yeah, and the injury he suffered was just so brutal. Bad, and it, right? it happened against the Steelers when TJ Watt was thrown into thrown into Stanley. Inadvertent, obviously. Right, right. It, it like was the day you know, after he signed a huge contract. Yeah, it, it was. Four, <laughs> right. It was four days after. It was unbelievable. Didn't even get to play the full game, and so he ended up coming back at the beginning of the 2021 season. 
but just did not look like himself. And it, it wasn't helping anybody. The, the Ravens were getting a player that just, on the field that just what was a shell of himself because of the injury. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for Stanley, it was risking an even worse injury. So he ended up getting the surgery. But yeah, it, it is a valid concern. The fact that for Stanley, he's the biggest part of the offensive line. He, he sure. is what makes the offensive line go. When he is healthy, when he is on, and when he is completely just on the field and doing his thing, he is one of the best left tackles in the entire league, someone who Lamar Jackson trusts to block him. And so last year with Orlando Brown in Kansas City and Ronnie Stanley out, that was the first full year for Lamar Jackson of it. All right, it was Alejandro Villanueva at left tackle, which did not work out. It was a, a combination of Patrick McCarry, Tyree Phillips at right tackle. They played decently but again when Lamar Jackson has the protection has the offensive line up front to protect him he can throw the football well but when it's the tackles being collapsed in every two seconds every single play and he has to run around for his life he can still make stuff happen he's one of the best at doing it but it's a lot easier for him we can just throw in the pocket so Stanley there is optimism surrounding him he's had a, a lot of time to recover and hopefully the injury is not something that will impact the longevity of his career but I feel like, yeah, if he can get back, that is a huge, huge, huge boost for the Ravens offensive line. Matt mentioned the drafting of David Ojabo in the second round, uh, talking a little bit about the defensive side of the ball. I don't imagine he'll have a big impact in 2022, but where's he at in his rehab? And will we see that impact from the guy they drafted in the first round last year in uh, Odafe away? Yeah, always somebody who a lot of people liked that draft pick. And he he came on strong at the start of the year. Kind of kind of tapered off a little bit at the end, had the injury for the final couple games. But yeah, Jabo tore his Achilles during his pro day and the timeline there. They actually had another the Ravens had Tyus Bowser tear his Achilles in week 18 against the Steelers. It's kind of put a terrible cap on a terrible injury year for them so they now have two outside linebackers who could potentially be contributors but that's the thing is potentially when do they return when do they come back bowser has that i guess you'd call it a two-month head start but ajabo i think he's still coming out was regarded as a little bit of a raw prospect hasn't been playing football for super super long but still was a first round prospect when he was healthy and so i think the ravens even if ajabo doesn't play a snap in 2022 they essentially traded a 2022 second for, let's say, a 2023 first. I, I, I'm taking that deal 10 times out of 10. But for Ajaba, where he is in his rehab, still probably decently early in it because we're in mid-June now. The injury happened, I think it was around mid-March, early March. So, yeah, just a couple months into it right now. But I think even if Ajabo has to miss the first half of the year and come back, it's the same thing I talked about. I'd rather have him back at 100%. If that means he doesn't play a snap in 2022, they have to redshirt him for a year. Uh, I'm completely content with that. Love the fit of Ajabo, especially with his connections to OA, high school teammates, the way this team develops edge rushers. They don't need him right to second. You know, I, I just envision Ajabo and OA wreaking havoc, you know, for five, ten years off the edge, you know, and when they would hit their stride together. But I want to focus on, on Kyle Hamilton, who, of course, is going to play and they're going to play often. But I don't know what the role is. I mean, Marcus Williams was one of my favorite free agent signings by any team in the league. He's your free. I mean, he's your your Ed Reed, your Earl Thomas type. Chuck Clark's been a foundational player for this team. You know, smart, blitzer, fits exactly what they want in the strong safety position. So where does that leave Hamilton? 
Yeah, there are a lot of question marks surrounding just where these guys can play together, but Mm -hmm. I think they can play together. You're right. I think Marcus Williams definitely has that free safety position locked down, and and that's most likely his. But the thing with Hamilton was so great is he's he's so versatile in terms of the fact that he can be a rangy safety. He can also play in the box and be a thumper in the run game. And what the Ravens have done – and they did this a bit with Deshaun Elliott and some of their other safeties for the last couple of seasons, is they, is they would put Chuck Clark in the box and use him as a dime linebacker and then kind of rotate their safeties around. And the, the Ravens aren't a team that plays base a lot, so they can right. use three safety looks and do what they want to do in terms of, you know, do they want to play six DBs? You know, how do they want to put these guys together? Because it's not just the safety room that's deep. They have a ton of corners, too. They signed Kyle Fuller, who I anticipate will play. They obviously have Marlon Humphrey and hopefully a healthy Marcus Peters, alongside a bunch of rookies as well. But with the three safeties... I love the Armour Davis pick. Oh, I know. The the Alabama connection, you can never go wrong with the Ravens and Alabama connections. But with the safeties, I think that Hamilton, you're right, he will play often, I think, he probably won't be labeled as the starter, but that doesn't mean he's going to get 10% of snaps. He's going to play. Sure. And for me, I think that with Hamilton and his versatility, if you want to put Clark in the box and you want to move Hamilton around a lot, you can do that while still having Williams. If you want to play Williams in single high and do that, you can still do that as well. So I'm excited to see what they can do with those three. And there have been some rumblings about maybe Chuck Clark wanting a move out, depending yeah. on what happens contractually to, potentially maybe personnel fit for him. So still a very fluid situation. We don't really know a ton right now, but if that happens, I think obviously that opens up a starting spot for Hamilton, but my, my preference is to keep all three and have them play three safeties. Clark's been the green dot guy though, at times, right? Or at yes, least he, heavily. He, he's, like, he's worn I think, it for the past couple of years. I think they need his, his head. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's the, I call him the, like one of the glue guys of that defense. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's not the best player on the defense, but he's someone who was massively important and probably one of the most important people on that defense. Yeah, that's really important, and tons of young talent and a lot of chess pieces there for new defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. So I'm interested to see how that defense comes together. Kind of going to have to workshop it, but the Doobie Brothers I think would be a good nickname for maybe the (laughs) edge pass rushers in in, in that defense, Um, although that reference is probably, you know, it flies now better than it does five or ten years ago. Yeah, 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 and (laughs) and also nobody remembers who the Doobie Brothers were. Um, the band. So uh, let's talk AFC North while we got you here. Just real quick before we let you go, Kevin, really appreciate you giving us the time. Ravens, are they winning the North? Because we've got noted Ravens hater Matt Williamson on the podcast here, <laughs> and he's picking the Ravens. So, I mean, yeah, I love the bounce back, but are they going to bounce all the way back to the top of that division? I, I think they will do it, but I think it will be in a tiebreaker situation with the Bengals where they will probably finish. Well, I have them right now finishing with the same record, but the Ravens winning tiebreakers. And then I, I mean, the rest of the standings, I have the, the Browns at three, but that's very fluid, obviously. And then you have uh, Steelers at four, but it's a close division. I mean, all these teams are talented. You can never count out Pittsburgh. Cleveland has talent on their roster, even if Deshaun Watson doesn't end up playing. And again, we don't know. But I still think that with the Ravens and the Bengals, those are the two teams. I mean, the Ravens injury, they suffered one of the worst injury seasons in a very, very long time across the entire NFL. And with all the pieces they lost, with all the fluidity that was around their roster, they had guys playing three spots up on the depth chart, four spots up on the depth chart. I mean, by the time they faced Cincinnati the second time, they had like Daryl Worley on like Jamar Chase, and then they had to play Devontae oh. Adams the next week, and then Cooper Cup the next week, then Deontay Johnson. So it was just a gauntlet of wide receivers. 
And the secondary finished as one of the worst in the NFL and the worst in multiple categories. So if that secondary can bounce back with the corners and the safeties we talked about, I think that they can give the Bengals a run for their money. I think the Ravens are one of the more forgotten teams in the NFL. I'm not saying they're going to go 17-0 or anything like that, but I still think they can bounce back in a big way and really make a run at that division crown. Fantastic stuff. That is Kevin Ostriker. You can find him daily on the Locked On Ravens podcast. You can also find him right here on our YouTube channel, hosting Locked On NFL. Find him on Twitter at kostriker 34 Kevin, always appreciate the time. It's going to be a fun division, and uh, those Baltimore Ravens, I, I fully expect that bounce back to happen, and uh, they're going to be a scary team to play against here in 2022. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it, guys. Thanks so much. It was a blast. I appreciate it. Sure, everybody's tuned into not only Locked On Ravens, but Locked On NFL here because the channel you can find Kevin Ostriker, tons of great folks here doing podcasts daily. And of course, it's the home of Peacock and Williamson on the Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Uh, before we get to our final thoughts here on the division and on the Ravens, uh, I want to talk a little bit here about Bet Online because Bet Online, you can bet on tons, tons of NFL futures and NFL football. I mean, it's not NFL season right now, but it doesn't matter because uh, the NFL is a year-round sport and there's tons of NFL futures. You can bet on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. You can bet on the Steelers to win the Super Bowl. You can bet on, uh, you know, comeback players of the year, right? With J.K. Dobbins, you can you can find yardage stats to bet on, sacks, uh, anything your heart desires, tons of NFL betting opportunities at bet online your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information of course there's nba playoffs as well nba finals right now nhl playoffs major league baseball all summer long fighting news and odds mma ufc boxing bet online is your continued source for sports wagering information live betting esports even vegas casino games and more so get over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at bet online where the game starts so matt we just heard from kevin and he gave us some great insight here on uh, the baltimore ravens and the division and i think we're both bullish on him and I, of course kevin likes the way things are going in this division sure when when you look at the division and, and from a steelers perspective because that's the team you cover the closest mm-hmm. are you most worried about the ravens or or are you just Always. like odds of their comeback or are you worried about the team that actually represented the the entire conference in the Super Bowl in the Cincinnati Bengals and then oh yeah I, I don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson but whenever they get quarterback figured out there's a ton of talent on the Cleveland Browns as well so this division is is a juggernaut which team are you more worried about lining up against in week one as someone who covers the Steelers always the Ravens I mean and for several reasons and it's because yes there's a great rivalry between Pittsburgh and Baltimore but there's great respect too. And I admire to no end how the Ravens run their team. I mean, the way they use comp picks, the players they draft, Harbaugh, uh, Lamar. I mean, the ownership. Just if I could work for any team in the league, it'd be the Steelers. My second choice might be the Ravens. You know, like I, I adore what they do and, and very much buy into it. Uh, in fact, the Steelers just stole someone out of their front office, Andy Weidel. He's the assistant GM. There's great mutual respect there. I remember at the combine, I sat down with Kevin Colbert joined us, you know, before the picks. And he said, and I, I joked to them, I'm like, someday there's going to be a football life or a 30 for 30 with you and Ozzie Newsome on some boat fishing, telling each other, 
man, I was about to take that dude and you swiped him from me. Or I was about to take that guy and you swiped him from me. Like, I'll never forget that I was down at the Steeler facility and the Steelers had just drafted Terrell Edmonds in the first round. And Mike Tomlin was walking into the press conference room to discuss the pick. And I forget who kind of whispered to him as he's walking in. And they said, the Ravens just traded up for Lamar. And so I sat, I was right next to Tomlin when he heard the news and he was, he said bad words. And he's like, oh, you know, like they love them too. You know, like, oh, now we got to play against Lamar for the next 10 years. Great. You know, so I love the Ravens. I respect them to no end. Um, two things from Football Outsiders I really want to talk about in this division is I, I love Football Outsiders. I adore their work for years and years. And two things that I really put a lot of faith in is their injury metrics. You know, like we kind of touched on this. Last year's Ravens were the most injured team ever recorded in Football Outsiders history. Like, that's not going to occur again. I mean, even if they're just middle of the road or slightly more injured than normal, you know, like it's not last year was not the, the team that we should reference. And then the other Football Outsiders things concerns the Bengals is when a football team goes and takes five steps forward, you know, like picks third or fourth in the draft to Super Bowl runner up, almost always the plexiglass principle tells you you're going to bounce back to reality the next year. You know, take five steps forward, you take one step back. You know, I and this goes back to Steelers, Ravens, Harbaugh, Tomlin. I know the two teams in the division know how to handle those things, know how to win you got to prove it to me for the two Ohio teams. You know, that's yeah. not easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and th there's a lot of history. There's a lot of reason why, because those two Ohio teams seem to figure out some way to screw it up every single time. Although right, those right. Bengals, I mean, the Bengals are on a, on a very good track right now. And and, their team. and then on paper got even better, but you're right. There's growing pains. It's, it's going to, there's ebbs and flows going to go up and down. You can't expect five more steps. Right. For Cincinnati Bengals, but maybe and the Bengals were like the, the least injured team in the league last year. Right. Yep. You know, Yep. And it's a small sample league. 17 games is, is not a large sample of football games. So there's just going to be a lot of madness and a lot of chaos, even if you ran it back with all the same injuries and you played all those 17 games again. There's going to be a lot of variance year to year. But I'm with you. The stability of uh, the Baltimore Ravens, um, it, very much like what we saw with the Niners and how injured they were in 2020, came back. Guys were healthy, better luck, and they were in the NFC Championship game. And so, you know, it, it's, it's a very similar situation, it feels like, for the Baltimore Ravens in 2000. 22 how high real quick matt uh because we talked a little bit about jk dobbins in a podcast that is still to come here uh while you're on vacation by the way it was really funny seeing the the background for for kevin if anybody remembers there was like a a, a palm tree and like a beach scene that's gonna be <laughs> matt williamson this week because you're about to fly out and and, and have a have a little, little island adventure yeah well yeah we're banking a few podcasts we're talking we're gonna do some fantasy war room podcasts we've got running backs coming up and both of us love jk dobbins as a sort of a post hype sleeper i mean fantastic talent and uh and he i think he's the right amount of time away from his injury where he's gonna be he's gonna be a beast this year so and you're just gonna get that built-in discount even if people like him and there's hype leading up to the season in your fantasy drafts there's gonna be a built-in discount for jk dobbins so uh i love that for jk dobbins and the, the 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 Ravens passing game is so weird because while I love Rashad Bateman, I don't know how that's going to look necessarily, right. and I don't know how big of a, a a fantasy like could he ever be that true wide receiver one? Just because we haven't really seen wide receiver ones with Lamar in that offense. See, I don't think he can for fantasy. I think he could for the real world and for their purposes. Right. Great player, 
He also needs to prove that, you know, can he handle double? Can he handle when, when they play the Rams and Jalen Ramsey lines up across from him? I mean, like a lot's going to be asked from him, you know, um, schematically. And I think he's a wonderful player. I mean, I think he's fine, but I'd feel a lot better if there was a veteran, an Odell or something, you know, somebody that's been around the block, at least in that room, an old school Anquan Bolden, Steve Smith, Mason type that they always have that are 38 years old and they get it every first down, you know, they need that guy to me. Um, I just don't think the volume's there for fantasy. Like, I think he's being a little overdrafted for fantasy because everyone thinks, well, he's the number one. That's right, but they're not going to throw the ball as much as other teams. So, yeah, you're, you basically expect Hollywood Brown numbers, right? Because he's got more consistency. Yeah, and I think he might be a little bit more of a chain mover, obviously, yeah, than, yeah. than Hollywood Brown was. But I just wonder what the what the top end for him could be in that offense or – Maybe there's just another level that we haven't seen yet, um, you know, from a developing Lamar Jackson and a developing uh, Rashad Bateman. But uh, you're right. If you're a defense coming in, you're you're focused on two things in the passing game. It's Mark Andrews and Rashad right. Bateman. And, yeah. and you're not really worried about the rest of it. I mean, the, Devin DuVernay, you know, he's a third-round pick a couple right. years ago, but that's still a pretty – you know, and it's a lower level starter for the NFL, right? Right. James Crochet is not super athletic. He's sort of an underneath guy. You know, you're hoping you're getting, you know, poor man's Cooper Cup sort of usage from from Prochet. Then you go to Tylen Wallace and Benjamin Victor and, and Jalen Moore. He's not even the only Jalen Moore in the NFL right now. Um, you know, Makai Polk, a bunch of undrafted free agents, Slade Bolden, Shamar Bridges, right? Like these one injury, and all of a sudden you're running out there with Prochet and, and DuVernay is your starter. Like that's a little right. bit scary. So depth at wide receiver, nobody is scary on the offense in the past game except for Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman. And we still have to see Rashad Bateman, you know, finish off that development and become that guy because that's still a lot of projection. Right. And you're gonna see a lot of snaps from Nick Boyle and Patrick Ricard, the 290-pound fullback, and <laughs> Charlie Kolar and non-fantasy relevant skill guys. And again, I, I've only said good things about Andrews and Bateman. Love them. Great pairing, but they're not Tyreek and Kelsey. Run, run, run some more. Hit them with play action, play defense. That will be the recipe for the Baltimore Ravens in 2022, but I think it's going to be a successful recipe, and we've seen that recipe work not only for the Ravens, but a lot of teams in the NFL, and, and they've they've still got that ability to bully some people. But, man, in the North, in the North, it's going to be a lot of fun. The Steelers are a team that never goes away, even with a rookie quarterback. Yeah. Um, they're going to be probably better than they have been with Duck Hodges and, and even the, uh, you know, the sort of the death rattle of Ben Roethlisberger's career the last couple of years. And, they have you know, to be better at quarterback. Right. I mean, yeah. it's almost a foregone conclusion to me. There is a, an element, though, to the Bengals that scares me. It's like, is this the next dynasty in the NFL? Could because, be. Yeah, they've yeah. got that quarterback and he's got, there's something to Joe Burrow that's like, Look out. And he's got a ton of weapons. So, and they got better. So, fun division. Absolutely. It's- Last divisional note if Watson's suspension comes out at 10 games or more, let alone an entire season, which I'm kind of expecting, I'm going to pick them last. I just I don't like the entire vibe with the right exactly right even if he comes back it's just it just doesn't feel right and is there going to be rust there whenever he does come back and it's pretty clear he's going to miss some time I mean oh, the yeah. NFL is not going to let Lamar Jackson play quarterback in week one even if they haven't even put it uh, a, a full 
suspension in yet, which might be the worst case scenario for the Browns and Deshaun Watson, because maybe that goes into the season and they put them on a, the, what is it? The exemption list or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then they finally give a suspension later. And so it'll just be, you know, it's just a cloud over the Browns. So big time doesn't, doesn't, it, it feels like very bad vibes there for the Cleveland Browns, despite all the talent they have. Thanks again to Kevin Ostriker for joining us here on the show. Thanks everybody for making us your first listen back tomorrow, right here, Peacock and Williamson.